What is going on, everybody? How we doing? Welcome back to another episode of Breaking the Goal Line. I am your host, as always, Russell Goddard, and we got some things to do. I'm going to keep it short and sweet today on a Monday evening. You're probably listening on a Tuesday morning, Tuesday afternoon, maybe Tuesday evening at the gym, whatever it is. Short and sweet today. We got mock draft heading heading into the early 20s. That's when, honestly, the playoff teams are starting to form. It's kind of, they're either taking big swings or filling massive holes. They think they're on the cusp. Maybe they make trades. That's always a good time to talk about. Uh, Tiger at the Masters. I, I got to talk about Tiger in the Masters period. Scotty Scheffler is on an unbelievable heater. Four wins in 60 days. Uh, you know, I know it's a football show, but I talk a lot of golf on this show. And until I start branching out and do my own golf podcast, this is where I'm going to talk my golf. So talk a little Tiger. And uh, unfortunately, uh, you know, the world, the football world, the world itself lost a young man in Dwayne Haskins. I uh, just, just want to shed just my thoughts on that. So but we'll get all in it. Short but sweet pod today. Uh, before we do, go ahead and subscribe, rate and review. Tell your friends, tell your enemies, tell your sister, tell your brother, tell your aunt, your cousin that lives in Tampa Bay. Let them know. Let them know. Come listen to the show. Uh, you know, we're homegrown, just trying to build it up. So let's, let's talk some ball. So I actually just got done playing an, a round of golf. Played a nice 18. Played at a good course that I play at, decent. Uh, wasn't putting well. The flat stick wasn't rolling tremendous today. Uh, it was great with the iron play, but flat, flat stick wasn't rolling. And, and it is what it is. And you work on your game. And I'm not elite at golf. I've worked at golf for a long time. I mean, I play once a week, twice a week. I go to the range two or three times. I'm not elite. I will never be elite, ever. Now, if I was at one of these fancy-dancy country clubs that has your own caddy, and let's say I have an elite caddy. I have the best caddy caddy on property. He knows exactly, you know, what to play for this pin placement. You know, where where it's going to go from, What's what? Where, where, where where's my safe miss? What am I going to play off the tee here? If I have an elite caddy, He's going to take some strokes off of my game, for sure. I can have an elite caddy, and me as the player, be better. I, I, I can be better than I am. I'm, I'm about, a, about a 14 handicap right now. So let's say I go out and I got an elite caddy. Tells me where to hit the ball. You know, hey, you want to miss to the right here. Hey, the green slants all the way down, big slope. You know, miss to the right, miss to the left. Take, you take drive, don't take driver off the tee. Can't clear the bunkers. I'm going to be better. I have an elite guy, a guy that knows his way around this, a guy that knows what he's doing. So I'm going to rely on him. I'm going to rely on him and his knowledge, just like a lot of these Scotty Scheffler relied on his caddy over the weekend to get him through some tough times around that course, right? But at the end of the day, I'm not going to shoot a 72 because no matter how elite that caddy is, I it, he's not going to make my swing that much more elite, He's not going to make my, it doesn't affect my swing. He, it's him telling me where to hit the ball, what, what club to use, you know, what, what's a good miss if I hit it wrong, whatever it may be, wind direction, maybe whatever it is. He has no, he has, he has no control over when I swing the club. And Dan Campbell earlier this weekend, over the weekend, made a comment saying, you don't need an elite quarterback to sustain success in the NFL. Now that's the key word here, folks. Sustain success. I can sustain success, you know, 
over with my golf game. I've gone through months of sustained success. I've gone through months where I'm shooting 82, 83, 84, round after round after round after round. I've also gone months where I've shot 90, 95, 98, round after round after round. But to sustain the success, I would need that elite caddy. I would still, no way, be able to sustain, to, to continue to shoot 83, 84 every single time just with having that elite caddy everywhere I go. So while it's complete bullshit to not win in the NFL, with to not sustain success, that's complete bullshit. You, you have to. You need a Mahomes, you need a Brady, you need a Manning, you need a Rodgers to sustain success. Now, you can have a couple, you know, Alex Smith with Andy Reid seasons, 13 win seasons, make the playoffs, be the number one seed. You can, you can have a couple of those seasons. I see where he's coming from from that. I can go out there and I can shoot a fucking 79, 78. Okay, but then the next week to three weeks from that, I'm not going to shoot a 78. I'm not. I'm just not gonna do it. I'm not gonna have sustained long longevity success because I'm not elite at my. I'm not elite at golf. To be, to have sustained success in the NFL, no matter what, you have to have an elite quarterback. You have to have a Joe Burrow. You gotta have a Jay Herbert. You gotta have a Mahomes. You gotta have a Rodgers. You just do. Look at the teams that don't. Look at the teams that do not have a sustained success at quarterback. The Jacksonville Jaguars. You know, the Detroit Lions. And the Detroit Lions actually, that's a bad example, I'm sorry. Now they don't. The Detroit Lions actually did. They didn't have any success, but their success was going to the playoffs three times with the Matthew Stafford, who went and won a Super Bowl. Because he's an elite quarterback. He goes and wins a Super Bowl. If I have the right and elite caddy around me, if you have let's say an Alex Smith, a Kirk Cousins, and you have a good team around them, you can win for a year. Hell, you can maybe even stretch it to two years. Make the playoffs, have some success. But to play three, four, five seasons at an elite level, going to playoff games, competing for division titles, going to championship games, you have to have an elite quarterback. It's impossible. And I understand where Dan Campbell's coming from, his quarterback is Jared Goff. And sometimes coaches and GMs, you just you just gotta back your guy no matter what. And sometimes you gotta lie. Sometimes you gotta say stuff like this. But to sustain success in the NFL, 100 percent you need an elite quarterback. Elite quarterback. You see what happens the second in elite. Watch what happens to the Seattle Seahawks, folks. Let's just watch what happened to the Seattle Seahawks. We've seen this story before. We've seen it before. What happened to the Colts before they got after Peyton Manning, before Andrew Luck? I know it was only one season, but they only won two games. Two games. I just, I, 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 I don't, I can't even remember their quarterbacks' names that were going through there. Was Jacoby Brissett one year? I think was their quarter. No, that was after. That was after Luck got there. I, I don't even know. Two games. I, I can, I can be. As good as golf as I will ever be. That's it. That's as ever as I can be. And that's easy to say. You'll only be as good as you can ever be at something, right? If I have somebody else that's excellent at it to give me a hand as a caddy, an excellent caddy to help me with the shots, a teammate, an excellent wide receiver, an excellent offensive line, an excellent head coach, an excellent defense, then you can get by with a very mediocre swing, a.k.a. very mediocre throw as a quarterback. 
it, it just, you can get by for a little bit. I can get by for eight, nine, ten holes. Oh, I hit a miss. I topped it a little bit, but it's okay. It was an okay miss. Still went 180 yards, and, and I'm sitting in the fairway. I can get away with those, but eventually it's going to come, and I'm going to have a snap hook, or I'm going to slice the shit out of a ball, or I'm going to be 30 yards away, nice little chip shot, hitting three on a par five to put one up, snettle it in for an easy birdie, and I blade the shit out of it because I'm not elite at my job. And we see these quarterbacks who are not elite at their job, eventually they're going to blade one. Eventually they're going to fucking fat one. They're going to hit it too thin. They're going to slice. They're going to hook. They're going to fly, They're going to sail the putt by 15 feet. Your Baker Mayfield, your Jimmy Garoppolo's, your Kirk Cousins. Those are the guys. Your Dak Prescott's. Hell, even Ky your Kyler Murray's, who's talented as shit. Kyler Murray has a slice seven times a game. You have to sustain success, Dan Campbell... You have to have an elite quarterback. We all know that what he's saying is bullshit. But he has to say it. I'm not going to rip on Dan Campbell. I'm not going to rip like everybody else, like internet. I'm not going to rip. Why? He's got to say it. His quarterback is Jared Goff. He's hoping, he's praying that he can find himself somewhat of a Justin Herbert. Somewhat of a Joe Burrow. Somewhat of a Patrick Mahomes. Just something of that nature. It doesn't even have to be those guys. <clears throat> it could be a quarter of those guys, a fraction of those guys, whatever it may be. But it's not Jared Goff. But he's saying that because Jared Goff isn't an elite quarterback. He is an average quarterback. Below average. And he's and maybe you can make a make to the playoff run. Maybe you can win how he can win a playoff game. Hell Heineke almost beat Brady in the playoffs two years ago. We've seen it. We've seen Nick Foles come in and win a fucking Super Bowl. We've seen it. But to sustain success, to continuously battle for your division, to continuously go to the playoffs, to continuously compete for what is the granddaddy of them all, the Lombardi Trophy itself, you need an elite quarterback. You need an elite quarterback. And unfortunately, your Jared Goffs, you're not going to get it done. Your Kirk Cousins, not sustained success. Now you can make the argument, Kirk Cousins isn't the problem in Minnesota. No, he may not be the problem. But when I watch Kirk Cousins, he ain't winning games like Mahomes. He ain't winning games like Herbert. I'll tell you that right now. He may not be the whole problem, but he ain't putting up. He, he ain't making those throws. He ain't putting up those numbers. He ain't doing Rodgers. He's not Brady. Now you can win with him. You can make the playoffs with him. I think Minnesota has a good chance of winning the division this year. Probably because everyone's writing off the Packers now. Because we think they're a bunch of fucking kooks. Everyone thinks the Packers are kooks. If you don't think the Packers are kooks, you're a fucking kook. Because it's ridiculous. They're kooks. Aaron's a kook. Fucking Gudekin's a kook. They don't have an owner. That whole city's a bunch of kooks. Fucking, fucking Looney Tunes up there. You gotta have an elite quarterback. Just, just ain't, you just do. We've seen it. We know that that's true. But Dan's got to do what Dan's got to say. And I respect him because you just got to support your guy. But if you're going to win in this league, if you're going to try to beat the Mahomes, if you're going to try to beat the Rodgers, the Herberts, the Wilsons, the Toms, you need one yourself. And that's just the bottom line. Okay, now the meat and potatoes of the podcast. The Masters. Tiger Eldrick Woods. 
Scotty, I don't know his middle name. I just call him the Big Texan. Scotty Scheffler. He's now a major winner at 25 years old. Congratulations. He has won four tournaments in six starts. Four tournaments in six starts. Four tournaments in 60 days. That is insane. And one of them is Augusta National, the Masters. And for, for a lot of you that don't really maybe follow golf, and you're like, oh, you know, what's four and six? That's fucking outrageous. It is outrageous. It's, it, it's hard for me to put a comparison. But if I could put a comparison on it, Scotty Scheffler, what he's doing right now, four wins and six starts in 60 days and a major is pretty much the equivalent of starting, I don't know, like 13, maybe 14 and 0 in the NFL. Like, like you're on the cusp of an undefeated season. It honestly, excuse me, it honestly might even be more than that. It might even be an undefeated season. It is impossible to do. This is insane. And it's not like he's winning some just bullshit tournaments. He won the the Waste Management Phoenix Open, which is one of the biggest tournaments of the year, which I had the privilege of going to with a couple buddies on a Saturday, which was unbelievable. He won the Arnold Palmer, which is no slouch, at Arnie's place, one of the most historic people in the sport. Easily, by far, won there. Then he wins match play, which is literally one against another. It's not a tournament base. It's he's he's going against the guy. He's got to beat him out. Then he wins Augusta National. The big Texan, who I've been following since he was in Texas. I watched him play a little bit. I watched some college golf. I'm addicted to this shit. I watch college golf, folks. Yes, I do. I, I put on golf channel when I'm at home. <laughs> if it's on, I watch me some college golf. And I watched Jordan in college at Texas, and I watched Scotty in college at Texas. And I've been following both those dudes. Now, Jordan was much you know, a little bit while ago. Scotty was too. They're about the same age. They played they play one year together. I've been rooting for this guy for a while. This guy is phenomenal. He is an amazing golfer. And what he's doing right now, he's going to be the number one player in the world for a long time. A long time. Now let's transition over to Tiger Woods. I'm sure half of you don't even know who the fuck Scotty Scheffler is, but you need to learn and watch some golf because it's amazing. 3.2 million people, folks, on Friday. On Friday, 3.2 million people. You you realize that's more than every single first and second round playoff NBA basketball game last season. <laughs> 3.2 is more than every single game that was played in the first and second round. More people watched that than watched any of those basketball games. That's pretty fucking nuts. Golf is booming. I mean, AB used to say business is booming. Hey, PGA is booming. Now let's get to Eldrick Woods and what I saw this weekend. It, it, for me, I, I talked about it on the last podcast. When he won in 2019, I got emotional. I did. It, it just made me feel like a 12-year-old. And for someone who loves this game, you know, I I there's I love football. I I I breathe, I sweat, I bleed, I eat football. I do the same for golf. Those are those are the two things in my life that I will fight you to the death 
to keep. So being able to watch Tiger Woods after I never thought that he was going to play again, shoot a 78 on Saturday and a 78 on Sunday, I did not give a single fuck. I did not care. I did not care what the score was. I didn't care how many times he hit the ball in the water. The more the more times he hit the ball out of bounds or in the water, the more swings I got to watch him take. Watching him walk that course, which is one of the hardest courses in the fucking tour to walk. I mean, maybe the world to walk. It's a tough course to walk. It's hilly everywhere. There's no flat lies anywhere. At 46, the discipline that this guy shows. I I, I, I struggle. Now, here's the, I'm, I'm a bigger guy, offense and defensive line. I'm a bigger guy, but I like to work out. I enjoy working. I have no problem working out. Love to get a sweat in. Love to get a little one-on-ones in. But my discipline for my diet, and occasionally my discipline on lacking on going to the gym, occasionally, it's there. It's there. You wake up late and you go, ah, you know, eh, I won't go today. You know, or I, I eat like, I'm a, I'm a dirty eater. I eat like shit. I'm not going to lie. I eat like shit. Bre- uh, breakfast, not so much. But lunch and dinner, oh, you best believe it. And I drink like a fucking horse. I'm not disciplined enough like Tiger. Tiger Woods is 46 years old, 14 months off of almost losing his leg, and he looks like a brick shit house. I saw him next to John Rahm, who I love John Rahm for ASU, baby. He's a sun devil. He's got a house out here. He plays golf. His wife is smoking. He's got a beautiful baby. But John Rahm's a bigger dude. He likes to eat. He enjoys himself. He was the number one player in the world for a while. He's a major winner. And you can just see John Rahm at like 28, 29 years old and Tiger Woods at 46. Tiger Woods looks like a fucking strong safety in 2002. Looks like Adrian fucking Wilson out there. It's it's remarkable. And you know the thing is, we have no idea what Tiger does. We don't know his workout. Tom Brady Instagrams and tells us everything. He wrote a book about what he does, the TB12 method. You can go and buy the book. tells you the stretches. tells you what he does in the morning. You can do the TB12. We don't know what Tiger does. No clue. No clue. He just shows up and's like, yeah, I'm a badass. Yeah, I'm fucking here. Yeah, I look like a tank at 46. It was so impressive. The discipline that this man has. And it's because he's elite as his job. I was just talking about elite quarterbacks, right, in the last segment. He is so elite at golf. He loves it so much. I love golf. Love it. I love football. Love it. I will never love golf as much as Tiger Woods does. I just won't. I will never love football as much as Andy Reid does or Kyle Shanahan does or Bill Belichick does. I just won't. It's impossible. It is impossible. Because for you to be elite that elite at your job, for you to be Tiger Woods, for you to be Andy Reid, for you to be Kyle Shanahan and Bill Belichick, for you to be Scotty Scheffler, you have to be so in love with what you do. And I love doing this. If I could get paid, hopefully one day I start generating pretty good revenue from this podcast right here with everybody, with all of you listening, helping me out. Thanks for listening, by the way. And if I could, I mean, I'd probably give my left nut to, pay, to get paid to play golf. I really would. I don't need the left one. The left one's smaller than the right one anyway. It always it disappears all the time. I would give my left fucking nut to get paid to play golf. I really would. And these guys know it. 
And, and, and a lot of these guys on tour, you see them, they just out there. They make a shit ton of money. They're out there to play, but they don't love it like Tiger love it. They don't fucking breathe it like Tiger breathes it. They don't fucking bleed it like Tiger bleeds it. It was remarkable. And he already said that he's an in for the British Open. It's at St. Andrews. He's won there multiple times. It's his favorite course of all time. It's flat. He's going to be easier to walk. We saw him on Saturday, Sunday. He just looked a little tired. He looked a little gassed. What the fuck else do you expect? I didn't expect anything. I expected, I don't even know, him not to make the cut maybe, and he did. Him not to be great, and he was. Because he always is great. Why would I ever expect less? And he's, in, he's going to be at St. Andrews. And I'm going to be locked in for every second of it. Because I don't know how much more Tiger we're going to get. I think it's probably safe to say that it's over when we're talking about wins on tour. I don't know if he could ever win again on tour. These guys are too good. Scotty Scheffler's too good. Colin Morikawa's too good. DJ's too good. JT's too good. Rory, who probably maybe found something on that back nine, or maybe, I mean, that whole last round on Sunday was great, but the back nine, fantastic. He's too good. I mean, it, it, maybe it's coming come and gone for Tiger, but he's not going to quit fucking trying. His discipline for him to get out there and hit those golf shots for doing whatever workout that he does, it's still there. It's still elite. And that still makes him such a joy to watch. And it still makes you feel like he could still win any tournament. Even though I know it's probably done and he's probably never going to win again. It, anytime that he fucking laces it up and he walks on that first tee box and you hear, now introducing Tiger Woods you fucking think and you have just this little bit of hope that this motherfucker is going to pull it out and I just wanted to give my quick thoughts and prayers uh, to the Haskin family uh, over the weekend if you guys didn't hear former Ohio State Buckeye former national champion former first round draft pick Dwayne Haskins unfortunately passed away, got hit by a truck while crossing what looked like to be a three-way interstate in South Florida. Uh, details are they're still being to come. Investigation, about 3 o'clock in the morning. Why he was out so late, why he was crossing the road, we don't really know. Obviously, it's South Florida. He's a 24-year-old, young, attractive you know, man who, who's, who's, a, who's an athlete. In South Florida, he's probably out there having a good time. And, you know, in my mind... I, I've been I've been drunk and been walking around thinking I'm gonna go to a place and and I say this this would be a shortcut. It's never a shortcut. And I'm not saying this happened to him, but maybe he got turned around. I, I don't really know. I I've been in that situation where I've gotten turned around. I'm like oh shit, this is not where I'm supposed to go. I caught myself. Fortunately, who knows what would have happened? I don't, I don't know if this happened. I don't know if he was intoxicated. We haven't heard anything, but it doesn't matter. And it doesn't matter what he did on the field because we lost a young man who was 24 years old who was really, 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 from what I heard, starting to just mature and blossom and coming into a great, great young man. And from everything I've heard about him, from Ohio State to even in Washington, I know it didn't go great there, but he was just, he always had a smile. He was, he was just somebody that you just... You were you gravitated to. He was a big, smiling, happy kind of guy. Always, always, never down, never yelling, never anything. 
was just a happy dude all the time. And he's, he has one of the great, he has the greatest season, single season in Ohio State history as a quarterback. Won a national championship as a quarterback. And I know maybe his NFL season, his NFL career didn't go so good, but he started getting in a really good situation with Mike Tomlin and the Pittsburgh Steelers. And what I heard out of them was he, he was just making strides as a man. I, I don't give a fuck about a football player. I'm talking about as a man. For him to make strides. Isn't that we all what we all try to do? Every single day, we get up out of bed and we try to make strides as a man or a woman. I'm not trying to discriminate here, ladies. But that's what we try to do. We try to grow. We try to mature. We look for people around us to try to help guide us. Because it's hard. 24 years old, it's fucking hard. First round draft pick, it's fucking hard. Having, having it go go sideways in Washington's hard. He had some maturity problems. He, he, you know, he was doing his thing, you know, not showing up to team meetings, doing all that. He had some maturity problems. He had some, he had some knee issues. But from everything I heard, that shit was all straight up. He, re, he realized what life was, he was starting to realize what life was about. What life was, what, what he wanted from it. And Mike Tomlin and the Pittsburgh Steelers have a lot to do with that. And I know the Pittsburgh Steelers community, I know the Washington community who was there, and the Ohio State Buckeye community and the Haskins family, they're heartbroken. Because regardless of what this guy was going to do on the field, he's a young man. The young man that had a, had a lot of life to go. And it's just sad. It's a sad deal. It really is. So the NFL is... It, it lost a, it looked like to be just a, a, a bright light. He just looked like to be just a, he just from what I said, he's just a good person. Sure, he made some mistakes, he did some mature who gives a fuck? He was twenty-two. What'd you do at twenty-two? I did some stupid shit at twenty-two. I'm just I'm sad I'm sad, I'm sad to see him go at twenty-four. The kid had a lot of talent. And he was a good person. And, you know, I I, I kinda you know, I wanna wait and see what the report comes out. Maybe maybe we'll get to see where he came from or whatnot. Uh, but Dwayne Haskins dies at 24 years old. Just a sad deal. You know, rest in peace, Buckeye legend. All right, folks. Now, let's get into the mock draft. We got 21 to 25 today. This is a good. This is this is a good day. Got the. I got. I got my own Arizona Cardinals picking in this draft. 23. We have the Patriots picking. We have the Packers picking. The Cowboys picking. And personally, the hardest one. Them that that and the Cardinals. The Buffalo Bills picking at 25 in this draft. Now. How I do this mock draft, and I've tried to try to articulate it, but I, I want to do it again. How I do this mock draft, my mock draft for the Breaking the Goal Line podcast is, is what I would do in 2022 for every team. I do not have 1 through 32 written out. I don't. I As of right now, the I, I, it only goes to 25. I have nothing on Titans at 26, nothing at the Buccaneers at 27. Because I like to do the day of my podcast, my recording, to finalize my pick. Now I know in my head a kind of area where I want to go. But also, I'm picking this like I'm the GM. 
like I'm the coach in the moment. It, when that Eagles and Saints trade happened, it completely changed where I was going to go with this mock draft. I was going to move Kansas City from 29 to 16, and then they were going to take Jamison Williams, and I was going to make a trade, but, but it changes. So I'm just going with the flow, and I'm drafting as, and I make these picks day of, like it's me as a GM. And even if maybe I think a pick is better for, let's say, the Cardinals, who are picking at 23, than the Patriots, who are picking at 21, well, it doesn't matter. Because if, I, if, I, if, I'm, if I'm the Patriots GM and I go and I'm like, yes, in my mind, this is exactly who we should take, then that's who I take. So I'm taking day of, I try to put myself in the GM's head coaching, head coach's position, their mindset, what way we think, on the clock, I kind of go through it. And, and, and I'm excited about these five. So let's start with them. Let's get in them. Let's go with the New England Patriots. You are on the clock. And with the 21st pick in the 2022 Breaking the Goal Line mock draft, the New England Patriots select cornerback Trent McDuffie out of Washington. And I like this pick here for the for a team who just lost J.C. Jackson. You get McDuffie, who is a slightly undersized corner, slightly, but guess what? Bill Belichick's, Bill Belichick's, Bill Belichick loves some slightly undersized corner. Think about Asante Samuel. Think about Gilmore. While he wasn't undersized necessarily, but that's only because his arm reach. Trent McDuffie is similar kind of qualities. He's quick. He's aware. He makes plays on the ball. And he comes from, which recently, I mean, let's, let's be honest, the last 10, maybe 15 years, the Washington Huskies have been cornerback DBU. I like this guy. I like what he comes to. I like his coach staff. He's got ball skills. He's a two-handed jammer and plays co- plays the outside coverage really well. What does Bill Belichick love to do? Bill Belichick loves to put his corners on two-handed jam islands, but he also plays a blitz kind of package where he jams at the front, but then has him sit down in a cover four, kind of cover through almost two-esque. Trent McDuffie plays that perfect because that's almost the exact same defense that Washington plays. Bill Belichick gets his hands on a Trent McDuffie. He needs a corner to be to replace. He needs to kind of stay on Mc, uh, 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 Stephon Diggs somehow with somebody. I'm not saying McDuffie's that guy, but he's very good with the vertical release. He's great in coverage. He's good on the hip guy. He's he's a decent blitzer and he's not afraid to tackle. I just think he's one of the safest plays in the draft. And if Bill Belichick gets your hands on a safe play, turns him into an elite guy. We've seen that in the past, and and, and you know. I can see a lot of people say, go wide receiver here. Go wide receiver here. Well, they just got Devontae Parker. And while I don't think Devontae Parker is, you know, Devontae Adams or anything, but Devontae Parker is no slouch. He's a good player. And in the first round, we've seen Bill Belichick draft a wide receiver one time. It did not work out. And at the 21st pick, you are getting a steal with a cornerback who can come in and easily be your number two in a Bill Belichick-led system that I think he would flourish in. So Trent McDuffie out of Washington goes 21 to the New England Patriots. The new, I'm sorry, the Green Bay Packers, you are on the clock. And with the 22nd pick in the 2022 draft, the Green Bay Packers select edge rusher David Ojobo out of Michigan. Now I know what you're saying. Why not go wide receiver? 
absolutely not. You can get a wide receiver in the next round. They have another pick in this round. You take an edge rusher if he's there. And an edge rusher as explosive and as the pretty much ideal size as an edge rusher in the NFL as David Ajobo, you take him. You lost both the Smith brothers. It was crucial. I know you lost Devontae, but you need your defense. If you want to have a run as the Green Bay Packers, you got to have your defense go. You got to have something off the edge. You can bring a guy that's explosive. He's great with the rip move and the dip move. He struggles. It's kind of all he's got right now. He's got to work on some of his. He's, he's young. He's a redshirt sophomore and he shared some time. So he's got to work on some of his pass techniques. But his get off is unreal. His speed around the corner is unreal. He is a raw, raw, just unreal pass rusher. He can be turned into maybe one of the best pass rushers in the league. The dude has got some talent. So you take David Ojobo here for the Green Bay Packers at 22. It's the play. It is the play. It's the smart play. I know there are a bunch of kooks up there, but I, listen, unless unless Williams, the wide receiver out of Alabama, Jameson Williams is there at 22, if you do not take it, if a top edge rusher or an offensive fucking lineman, you have two picks. Save your, pick, save your wide receiver for the bottom of the draft at 28. Why take a wide receiver here? That's that's that that's my argument from there. But David Ajobo. There we go. Arizona Cardinals, you are on the clock. With the 23rd oh almost spilled my wine glass. With the 23rd overall pick in the 2022 NFL draft, the Arizona Cardinals select cornerback Kyler Gordon out of the University of Washington. Another Washington DB goes in the top, uh, well, I guess 25. And there's for good reasons, folks. Kyler Gordon is smooth. He's physical. He's aggressive. I loved watching him play whenever I watched these Pac-12 games when I watched Washington. Now, he does lose some 50-50 balls. He's not going to be the, you know, if you got a Mike Williams or someone else out there, he's not going to win a lot of those 50-50 balls, but he's aggressive to the ball. He makes plays. He's an excellent blitzer as a corner. I'm talking Tyron Matthew level-esque blitzer off the corner. The dude is great on the goal line situation. He plays the man hand-to-hand. He's a very physical aggressive. The Arizona Cardinals need this. They need another Washington DB to go along with their all-star safety and Baker Bring this guy in, have locked down corners, have your DBs there. Hell, hopefully that edge rush, even though Chandler Jones is gone, you got uh, Gordon's got you gotta find a little bit more of an edge rush here. Now, I would take an edge rusher here if the Arizona Cardinals, if one that I thought deemed worthy would go. If a Jobo was there and the Patriots didn't take a Joe with the last pick, then here we go. Or whoever I had taken or whatever wouldn't take him with the last pick then I think I take him. I mean, you got to have some edge rusher. But Kyler Gordon is almost a cannot-miss prospect. He is so good. I love him. He's a day-one draft starter. A day-one draft starter, folks. Arizona Cardinals get their hands on him. Some of their defensive problems will be shored up. And, and, honestly, and as a Cardinals fan, I hope we do. I think cornerback and edge rushers should be the two things that we target unless Jamison Williams is there at 23, then the Cardinals draft Jamison Williams because that would be fucking dynamic. Anyway, we're moving on. The Dallas Cowboys, you are on the clock. With the 24th pick in the 2022 draft, 
the Dallas Cowboys select someone right out of their backyard at Texas A&M. Kenyon Green, offensive guard, best at right guard, could play left. He's just best at guard. Maybe you can play this guy at tackle because he is 6'4", 3", like 40 or some shit. He's big. He's powerful. He's a nice, nimble foot prospect as an offensive lineman. When you watch offensive line, the first thing you watch is their feet. That's 100% the first thing you watch every time. When you watch when you watch Green's feet, he's got great footwork for the interior offensive line. You plug him into an offensive line who really needs some help. Dak Prescott needs some help here. Let's get this guy going. Maybe if you if you if you build the offensive line up a little bit more with an offensive line who's dying, Dak can get going. Maybe Zeke can have a couple more pops even though he's done. But Green's ability to create just space. He creates holes. He moves bodies. He's a really good interior pass blocker. You put him on the edge on tackle. Occasionally he gets beat. He loses his footwork. That 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 right foot is not as quick when he's an outside player. Put him in the inside though. You got yourself a mauler. Plus he's an SEC boy. He's right in the Cowboys' backyard. This just make sense. So there we go. The Cowboys at 24. Kenyon Green, offensive lineman. The Buffalo Bills, you are on the clock. Now, I will say, this pick right here, 25, the Buffalo Bills, Super Bowl contender, AFC contender, this pick had me stumped for a little bit. They added Von Miller. You look around their offense. You look around their defense. What do they need? We're talking. We're not talking about... You know, oh, we're trying to get an elite guy. We're trying to build up. No, we're talking about adding someone to a team that's trying to win a Super Bowl. That's trying to finally beat the Kansas City Chiefs. That's what we're talking about. And when I when I thought about it and I looked at it, came down to a couple people. But at the end of the day, I believe that if the Chiefs go with the 25th overall pick, running back, Brees Hall out of Iowa State. I know, took a running back in the first round, but at 25, I'll take a running back all day if they're Brees Hall. A big, smooth runner, outstanding patience and balance. He's he's unique size. He's kind of like Ray Rice. Think about Ray Rice. Ray Rice is unique size. He, he gets, gets skinny in the middle. He's explosive on the edges. He's got sneaky, sneaky hands. He made an unbelievable catch, uh, multiple unbelievable catches in the Oklahoma game that I watched from him. Uh, uh, he played against Kansas State. I remember watching that whole Kansas State game. I had money on Iowa State. He was a monster. He's, he's an outstanding weapon in the passing game. Very elite. And the Buffalo Bills need running. Josh Allen can no longer be the number one option anymore. It cannot happen. You get your guy, you get yourself a Brees Hall who's outstanding at contact. He's he's able to absorb defenders, bounce on them, stay on his feet. He's got elite top speed. He is everything you want in a first round running back. I take Brees Hall in a fucking heartbeat if I'm the Buffalo Bills. I understand maybe you have some other situations that you feel like you can fix. But to me, you are right there. You have Josh Allen. That's it. Get yourself a run game. If you can combine Hall with the two guys you got and Singletary and whoever else it is, if you can combine that guy with him as your lead back, him as a playmaker, with what you got, you have a chance, a big chance, a nice chance at winning the AFC. And this is what it's about. For the Bills, it's not about 
making the playoffs. For the Bills, it's not about trying to develop their team. It's about winning the fucking AFC. And how do you do? You got to run the ball. You have to run the ball in January. You just do. If they would have ran the ball, if they could, if their ability, other than Josh Allen, to run the ball was better against that in the Kansas City game, they would have won the football game. Bottom line. I, any Bills fan, come the fuck at me and tell me otherwise, because you're wrong. You're wrong. Get yourself a Brees Hall. Get yourself an Iowa State corn-fed, big, fucking, physical, fast motherfucker and go win the AFC. That's what I got. Buffalo Bills taking Brees Hall at 25. So let's recap it. Patriots at 21 take cornerback Trent McDuffie. 22, Packers take edge rushes David Ojobu. Cardinals at 23. Tough take for me here. I was also going to go maybe Jahad Dotson, the wide receiver, who I think is a, is a stud. But also, Trayon Burke from Arkansas, 6'3", like 215, no, 6'4", 215, big body wide receiver. He's a playmaker. Also, a guy that I could see go in this 21 to 25 range. But we got I got the Cardinals taking cornerback Kyler Gordon. 24, the boys take guard Kenyon Green. And 25, the Bills sure up that running back situation. They get themselves a fucking hog at Brees Hall. And there we go. There we have it. Mock draft, baby. Woo! Alrighty, folks. That's going to be it. Short and sweet today. Uh, that's, that's, that's it. I got nothing else. I hope everybody has a great week. I hope you enjoyed your weekend. Enjoy the rest of your week. Uh, I, I don't expect very much news. I expect it to be kind of kosher. The draft is building up. We'll keep waiting for it. Maybe a couple trades happen as we approach. But for right now, we're just kind of waiting. We're waiting. Not much stories going on, but waiting for the draft, waiting for that big night, round one, to see whose name gets called first. But, folks, all right, have a great one. I'll talk to everybody at the end of the week. Peace.